He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Yeah, listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Lunch is brought to you in part by Two for One Pizza. Enjoy plant based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. Visit two for one pizza.com. Might, uh, I mean, a pie in, in the semifinals that might go well tonight. Game will be on TSN yeah. and TSN this 1050. This would be a good night for a pie, watching the game. Like, are you get dialed in for this kind of game? You have like any kind of pregame routines you need to go through? Well, routines, no, but like I, I do love the World Juniors. Like most Canadians who who are hockey fans, yeah. they just you know they fall in love with it, the story, the players, and then like these guys who become folk heroes. Like, name me a Canadian who doesn't have a soft spot for Jordan Eberle. You, you just can't. And if you do, then you're you're just not uh, not a good Canadian in my opinion. <laughs> Maybe there are some that people in Calgary. Harsh. That seems there harsh. might be some people in Calgary who don't like them based off of the Battle of Alberta back in those days, but. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, Connor Bedard's making a story for for himself, and and that's just a, a whole another situation. Um, another man, though, who's who's making a story for himself this year on the Toronto Maple Leafs is is Michael Bunting. And I mean, I guess he broke out last year. You know, he was in the in the Calder race unfairly, didn't win, in my opinion. Um, but he apparently, according to Pierre LeBron, the Leafs camp has reached out to Michael Bunting. This week, who's a, a pending unrestricted free agent, and you know we were chatting about it a little bit with Mark Masters, and, and his reaction was, "Well, what's what's the hurry? I mean, the guy's on a heater right now. It's not the greatest time to be talking extension." But you now, what do you make of the report here? And, and I mean, what what do you think his number would look like, uh, Michael Bunting? It it does make sense, Al's brother. Um, yeah, the number is a tricky one, right? Like the the first comparable that comes to mind because he's in such a similar situation is Zach Hyman. Yeah. Um, just because of the line he plays on, the production I, he's had. Right. Do you I, I, like? Do you see that as a a real I comparison don't. or not? You I don't. don't be, I don't because Zach Hyman was a Swiss Army knife, and Zach Hyman. Played in a lot of a lot of situations, and and Michael Bunting, yes. like he was a top penalty killer. He was tenacious and a little bit even more of of, of a. It's, I guess it's kind of tough to say that he was more of an offensive talent, but I think that he did more. He was a more rounded two hundred foot player, um, and, and that's why he got rewarded. Now Zach Hyman though was a little bit older than Michael Bunting when he hit free agency, so perhaps that could play into it. The fact that he's only twenty seven yeah. as opposed to Hyman, yeah. who I think was what twenty nine, approaching thirty yeah. at the time of that contract, so that might play into Bunting's hand a little bit. That he's got a little bit more, you know, a little, uh, little more tread on the wheels there. I guess you could say for sure. But I don't, I don't, I if that's the ask, like Zach Hyman got what eight times five seven five out in in Edmonton or seven times yeah, it was five, like seven, just five? just just under six million. That's just not something that the Maple Leafs can do. I, I would not offer that either if I'm any other team in the NHL, but that's just not something that Toronto can even afford well, based on can, their contract you can, situation. You can make a statement that the Oilers at the time may have overpaid for Zach Hyman, but he's been really good there. Like He's, yeah, he's been. been in really well on that team. He's produced. He's been healthy for the most part. Like it's It's been a good, it's been a good go for Zach Hyman there. Like First of all, for bunting... It's it's 
starting at four million, right? It's it's going to be north of four. And then, so I did a little bit of a case study the one day on on that's hockey. We were trying to figure out what Pierre Luc Dubois should be making um, coming on to his next contract. And the comparable that I got a little help with was Kevin Fiala. Mm. And so, even though they play different positions, Kevin Fiala and Dubois were both 0.68 points per game in their career. And then the season before the contract, Fiala was a point per game. And he ended up signing the big deal with L.A., and his number was like 7.875 or something like that. It was was just under 8. And then so you could make the argument that if Dubois, who was 0.68, just like Fiala, was a point per game this year, he should be getting 8 million because he's a centerman. So you, you pay him a little more. Now, Bunting is a career 0.74 points per game. So he's already ahead in that regard, but he's not a point per game this year. So if he's not a point per game, you have to try and figure out okay, if Fiala's at 7.8, like how much lower does that put Bunting? So it's north of 4. It it is it you you were really hesitant to say it was six because you don't like the the Zach Hyman at five point seven whatever, yeah. but it's it, it could it it very well could be in the fives if if you're looking at a points per game comparable uh, with other players around the league. Would you be comfortable with Michael Bunting making five sheets for the next you know four or five years? I I would. I would five million. I would be comfortable with. If it starts getting into six million, then then I would be a little more hesitant. But I mean, you can always say in theory that you're going to go out and find the next Michael Bunting because when it when it came to Zach Hyman, they went out and found Michael Bunting and signed him to nine twenty five, right. and and they've gotten um, a lot of value on that. But it's not a guarantee that there's another guy out there that teams aren't necessarily, like, the teams are sleeping on and you're going to swoop in and, and get. And, you know, when you think about how well he's fit in with this group and his production here, like, you, you want to give it a, a legitimate shot and try and find something that resembles fair market value that you can fit into your cap structure and, and get this guy on your team for a long time. And it also, wow. you know, it also helps with Nylander and Matthews and, and that negotiation that's going to be happening in the not-so-distant future. Well, and, and we know how close Bunting and Matthews have become. Like, they've become the best of buds uh, out there on the team. And, you know, if you bring Bunting back long term, does that help as, as a nice little, you know, little little bone that you're throwing to Matthews to try and get him locked up this summer as well? It's like your boy Bunts is going to be sure. around. Let's keep yeah. him in He's town. He's going to be your linemate. He's going to be your linemate, man. He's going to be giving guys face washes for the next five, six, however many years. Like, you're, you're going to want that guy next to you, and, and probably he would. It just it helps kind of hedge that in the right direction. Does he seem like the type of guy, though? And he kind of. He does. Now, you know, you, you played the game, you know, so you have maybe a different opinion or perspective on this than, than I would clearly. But like Michael Bunting has spoken glowingly about being a Toronto Maple Leaf. And, you know, he's yeah. from Scarborough. He grew up a Leafs fan, grew up a, a fan of this team and loves to be here. Really wanted to come to Toronto when he was a free agent, was offered more money elsewhere, but decided to come to Toronto instead. You know, does he strike you as a type of guy that might even... You know, leave a little bit of money on the table, just knowing how this cap structure is for the Maple Leafs, and that might be the reason or the way that they can get bunting under contract long term. 
he might, he might, Al's brother. The thing is, like, there's, there's, there's going to be a number in mind where you're saying, okay, that's too much to leave on the table, right? And it, so it depends if Toronto is going to get under that number and say, okay, like, this is the best we can do, and it should make it more like enticing for you to say, okay, we're we're okay staying here. Um, but if if there's too much ground to cover, if like if you're thinking of, I don't know, if it's a million dollars a year over a five year deal. That's too much money to leave on the table. Like, you know, yeah. like you, you look at, you know, career earnings, career lifespans, all that stuff. Like, that's that's a big deal, man. Like, you know, it, it's going to have to be a reasonable number for this guy to say, okay, I can live without X amount. I don't know what that is. Um, I've never been in that situation. I know on, on my two-way deals, I had one one-way deal. Like, I always just kind of wanted to come to a, a fair agreement. And teams often were like that as well, but um, there's just you, you, there's going to be a number in mind for him where he says, "Okay, I can stomach, I can stomach that." Yeah, my, my favorite Michael Bunting stat in the year 2022, he was sixth in the NHL in five on five points with 62, which is one more point than Connor McDavid had. So you talk about production, that is production. My it's impressive, so, man. Five-on-five five production in the NHL is the most impressive kind because so many guys can get points on the power play. It's a very power play-driven league. When you can do it at five-on-five, five, that's a pretty big deal. And when there's only five people in the year of 2022 that had more than Michael Bunting did. And with that, why don't we, uh, why don't we get to Word Association Wednesday? It's, it's a game that we played last week. I think it went pretty good. It got... A good rating from Jonas Siegel. I'm curious, Frankie, how you think it'll go. I believe we got a sting prepared for this as well. So let's get to it. Word Association Wednesday. Wednesday? Wednesday? Mm. What? What Wednesday? It's one word. One word. Hey! You want to play some hockey? What is that word? Word. All right. So the way that this works, Frankie, is we're going to have a statement that I'm going to read off or a word or whatever we're reading. And we have to come up with the word that we associate with that statement. So the first word that comes to your mind. You ready to go? I'm ready, buddy. Let's do it. All right. Let's stick with the theme of Michael Bunting because last night he was fantastic. So. Uh, Michael Bunting, after a three-point night, how's he feeling? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cha-ching. <laughs> Listen, after after Pierre Lebrun is talking about the Leafs reaching out to his camp, he goes yeah. out and has a three-point night. It couldn't have been better timing. And if maybe you didn't necessarily have the team's attention, you do now after that. And, you know, if, if they're reaching out to you, it means they're serious about getting the ball rolling. And um, that's a nice way to, to kind of get things started. Um, although the, the process has been started, but, um, you know, it can definitely lead to a path where you can see a, a contract extension happening. Yeah, nine goals, 20 points his last 19 games. After that three-point night, yeah, he's thinking to himself, he's uh, he's elated for a lot of the reasons yeah. that you just said. I mean, yeah. first and foremost, uh, he, he picked up the puck off of, he got the primary assist when Matthews got his 500th point. So he picks up the puck and gives it to his buddy. So he's pretty happy about that one. Um, it was a losing effort, I suppose. But yeah, this guy, 
Uh, what was the report earlier in the year? It was like three and change on an eight-year deal was being discussed earlier. Yeah, I think season, it was like four million, four million on an eight-year deal. But that's the thing. Like, if I'm bunting, I don't know if I necessarily want an eight-year deal at four million. Why do I want to sell myself I, short? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I, I pretty sure the report was that's what Bunting's camp was was looking to get. So, right. I mean, he's but gone the, out and he has exceeded all expectations started, this season. So. Exactly. And, and here's, you, here's the thing now. Like, we talked about his five-on-five five production last year, and that's because he didn't play a whole – he didn't play at all on the first unit power play. Now he's picking up all these points on the first unit power play, and he's producing at a point-per-game basis. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's, it's been impressive, man. It's been really impressive for him. And he's, he's like, yeah. you know – after maybe a slower start to the season, he's really picked it up, and he kind of picked up right where he left off with these guys last year. I'll read one for you, Al's brother. You ready? All right. All right, let's get your word on this one. Ilya Samsonov's performance against the Blues. Five goals against and an 844 save percentage. I hate to use this word. Deja vu? No. <laughs> no. I was going to go with yikes. Yeah, like the, those are very too. I mean, deja vu because this is four games now in a row where you've seen Ilya Samsonov uh, really struggle here, which which you don't like to see. Um, we found that there's actually a, a statistic that was created by Rob Volman, the writer of Hockey Abstract, um, that is really bad starts. Literally, RBS stands for really bad starts, and um, he he had a really bad start last night because it's. Yeah. Less than an 850 save percentage, an 844 save percentage, but also deja vu because this is around the same time when things fell off the rails for Jack Campbell a year ago. Now, I'm not ready to push the panic button here and say that he's going to, you know, struggle the rest of the season and perhaps this will be Jack Campbell 2.0, but it's starting to not look great over the last few starts here. The he's got to get yeah. uh, he's got to get it back on the rails here. The, the other thing that worried me a little bit about Samsonov's performance last night is the shootout. Like you just need you need one save there. You you got yeah. some some run support. You got two goals in the shootout. Man, you just need a save. And like the goaltenders do have the advantage in that situation, but I mean that just kind of speaks to the if you want to call it lack of confidence that he has right now that you know, it kind of gets lit up in the shootout, and it's up to him to find it. Like, they'll they'll do everything they can for him to put him in a position where he can find it, but, I, I like, watching the guy play, it's between the ears. Like, it's not it's it's not an on-ice thing. It's not a physical thing. Like, he, he's shown that when he's confident, yeah. he can make the saves and, and, and play quality goaltending. Well, I, I, I want – because I had this – curiosity uh, when Matt Murray came back and then Samsonov came back from his injury and it became a true platoon system again. And I had this thought like, well, is that going to impact these guys and the rhythm that they've built? Because when they both had the starting gig effectively with those two being injured, they were on a roll and they got to play every night and they played a lot and they got into a rhythm and a groove. And it seems like since Samsonov has been knocked off that rhythm since Matt Murray returned, um, he hasn't been able to get back into a groove here, and I wonder if it's just he needs more starts. But if you're the Maple Leafs, you can't afford to give him more starts. No. So how does he get out of this rut? He's going to have to try and do that 
um, you know, on his own. I guess with goaltenders, you can that's, do it a little more in practice. Is what I've that's been told. The nature by many of it, right? So. That's that's the nature of of the NHL now with the way it's designed for tandems, right? Like, there's only a, a handful of teams that really have that true number one guy that is never going to give up the net. So it's not just him around the league who has to deal with the tandem. There's there's yep. a lot of a lot of goaltenders in the league in the same position. All right, next one for us here, Frankie. Sheldon Keefe's decision to use Rasmus Sandin fourth in the shootout last night. Undercover. Oh. How's that one for you? Undercover. Listen, there's a lot of defensemen in the league who are staples when it comes to shootout attempts. Chris Letang comes to mind in Pittsburgh. He was always Edler. one of the three shooters. Alex Edler was another one in Vancouver. And it's because teams practice this sort of thing. And when a defenseman wins in practice, usually it means he has at least one good move, possibly two. And, you know, so why are you going to practice this if you're not going to reward the player who wins the event in practice by letting him shoot in a game? And so Sheldon Keefe talked about it after the game. Rasmus Sandin is really good at it in practice. And so I like the decision to use him in the shootout. He had him. Like, he had Bennington down and out. Yeah. Just the, the puck kind of got puck a little bobbled. bit of away from him, bobbled. Bennington was able to recover. But if that puck doesn't bobble, it's a great move, and it's in the back of the net, and Sheldon Keefe looks like a genius. So I like it. It's it's undercover, Al's brother. Yeah, I, I'm going to use the, the, the word questionable, though, to be honest with you. Like, I, I get it, and, and, you know, I've been told by many reporters who watch them do this in practice. Actually, I'm going to be curious. We're going to have David Alter on in about 10 minutes. I'm going to ask him how often they, they practice the shootout this season and, and his thoughts on Sandine in practice and how much that – you know how surprised he may have been by this, but you think about the guys who he passed up though to go to Sandine in a kind of do or die situation almost. And you know John Tavares didn't get to see the ice in the shootout. Um, you know Michael Bunting who had a couple of goals on the day. He's been hot of late. He didn't get to see the shootout. You know, so there's a couple of guys out there. Maybe even a Yarncrock potentially could be somebody. Let me ask think you this though: Morgan Riley, what if maybe? It, well, let me ask you this: what if you went to practice and you saw that Bunting doesn't have a shootout move. He's a good player, yeah. scores goals. He just doesn't have a shootout move. Same with Morgan I, Riley. Same with Tavares. Like these guys might not have shootout moves and, and Sandine does. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's completely fair. I think that's why, you know, I think it gets it was questionable. Not that it was the wrong decision. And and even though it didn't work doesn't still doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. But it's yeah. just one that kinda had me uh, scratching my head for for a minute there, and I did hear him after the game say that Sandine, uh, you know, in practice has shown that he's very capable of scoring shootout goals, and uh, they feel comfortable with him in the shootout. So you know, he he convinced me that it was the right decision, but it was yeah. still a, a little bit of a head scratcher, maybe at, at the time, I suppose, live in action. You, you need to have an A move, like you need mm -hmm. to have your number one move that you can what go was your to. Move? Did you have a well? Move? And then you need to have a B move. And usually it would be you run the same route, and then depending on what the goaltender is doing, you got your A move. And if, if you don't think you can pull that off, you got to be able to pivot to your B move. I had one move. Actually, no, I had I had two moves. I was pretty good at this in practice. And I scored a good one in the KHL with the fake slap shot, similar to how Spezza used to do. He would come in off the wing and do that big fake slap shot, push it to the forehand. Um, if you if you can find it at some point, maybe I'll send it to you. But uh, yeah, it was it was in the KHL. I did it. That was my move. I did it in the OHL, and 
Never really got a chance to shoot in, in pro hockey. I guess I didn't score enough in practice. <laughs> All right. We'll go league-wide for a couple more here. Uh, Jacob Verana was placed on waivers yesterday, um, which will be fascinating, I guess, at 2 p.m. when the waiver wire uh, is complete to see if anybody takes him. But Jacob Verana on waivers. What's the word association there? Al's brother, you used the word fascinating when you described it. I'm going to use a different word. That would be curious. It's very curious to me. Yeah. Like, it's a guy that you traded for Anthony Mantha, who was a good young player for you. You bring Verana in. He has produced. You're, you know, you're a young team in Detroit that's looking to kind of take another step. This seems like a guy who is part of that core and that nucleus of young, skilled players. And I know it's been a rough go for him. Like, he was placed in the NHL assistance program earlier in this year. He's been on a conditioning loan. So, you know, you wonder if the player is okay mentally at this point. And then you see him go on waivers. So, you know, you start thinking up all these things and all these questions. And so, for me, that's why it's curious. It's curious as to, you know, what's going on with the player. And, you know, we respect his, his privacy and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it is a little bit of a question mark when you, when you see this kind of stuff happening. And for the player, you hope he's okay. You hope he's all right. And, and you hope he gets back to doing um, what he can do in the NHL because he has been a, a productive, skilled player in the National Hockey League. Yeah, he's got uh, another year left on his deal at $5.25 million after this one. Just 26 years old, but he's been he's, he's spent a lot of time off the ice. And uh, he had a lot of injuries the last couple of years. And then, as you mentioned, was in the NHL assistance program um, earlier this season. So he's only actually played 29 games for Detroit since getting traded there. A few years back but 22 goals in that time so he's been extremely effective when he's on the ice and i'll be i'll be you know i think it's going to be fascinating to see if a team rolls the dice and brings in verana but i think you're right where maybe this there leaves more questions than answers with um with verana hitting the waiver wire and it'll be like i said really interesting and fascinating to see what happens there in the next uh, about 40 ish minutes to see if yeah. a team rolls the dice, like if you're, if if you're a team that's at the bottom of the standings, why wouldn't you roll the dice on a Jacob Verana? Like if you had the cap space, I mean, even in a in a, a a way where let's say Chicago, for example, claims him, I mean that's pretty decent trade bait because if yeah. you claim him off waivers and then you try and trade him at like retained salary, now all of a sudden you're trading away a a, a twenty five thirty goal scorer. At half the price, I'm sure there's a bunch of teams who'd be lining up and ready to pay you an asset to the do one, so. The, the one team that makes sense on, on paper would be Montreal because they are really struggling offensively. And as much as they mm-hmm. want to tank, they also don't want to get caved in every single night. Although Leafs fans, I'm sure that's music to their ears that, that <laughs> Montreal is getting caved in every night. The problem is... Montreal was left with such a bad cap situation, like so bad that they couldn't they couldn't bring this guy in at all. They they just they can't do it. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of teams that are bad teams that are still strapped by the cap by the cap, and another one being Vancouver, another one in Florida who who's you know too far out of the playoff picture now. Like there's when you look at the cap, man, there's only a few teams that can bring in a guy on that kind of salary. So I'm not a cap expert by any means, and maybe this is something that we can get into tomorrow perhaps, but 
Um, I, I, do you know the answer to this question? Is it his AAV that uh, teams have to have that much cap space available, or yes. is it just the remaining cap space on the season that they have to have available? No, it would have to be, well, I mean, I'm not an expert, but from my basic <laughs> knowledge of, of being a player in the league, it would have to be the AAV. Now, some sometimes teams will get deterred if a player is owed a ton of cash. Let's say their mm-hmm. AAV is a little lower, but the cash but, is like, you know, let's say the AAV is five, but he's on a year where he makes $8 million. Let's say the other year was $3 million, and it, it kind of mm-hmm. balanced out that way. Some teams on a lower budget will be like, well, no, we, we can't pay out that much cash, right? But right. I believe it is the AAV that they take into consideration for the cap. I thought that because... Um, I'll, have to, I'll I'll get some clarification on that actually because you call your I, sources. You I'll call, call my sources. sources, and I'll see if I can get some clarification, and maybe that would allow some other teams to be in on the Jacob Verana. Because you're right, if it is the five point seven five million dollar cap hit, there's only like four teams that actually could fit that into their stru- roster stru- cap structure. And that's probably and that's probably what Steve Eiserman is thinking too. He's like, listen, I can get this guy down to the minors. Like no one's going to be able to absorb this kind of cap hit. But I guess yeah. we'll see. We'll see in about 30 minutes, Alice brother. We got one yeah. more. We got time for one more? Uh, I think we got to go actually cuz we All got right, David Alter coming up at 1:30. Maybe we can save one a little after dark action on Leafs let's lunch. Do- Let's do that. Let's do word association after dark because we got one with one of your guys, and I would love yeah. to get your answer on and, it. And and saving this one for after dark is probably the right call because it could get spicy. Okay. This All right, guy. buddy. All right. So David Alter is going to join us on the other side. I'm Mike DiCefano with Frank Carrado. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Matthews has done it again. Now, back to Leafs Lunch. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Leafs lunch continues here on TSN 1050. I'm Mike DiCefano. Got Frank Corrado with me in place of Julia Tashiri, who's out on the World Juniors beat. Uh, you can hear that game tonight, by the way, Canada-US on TSN 1050. Carpet starting at 6 o'clock, puck drop at 6.30. You could also watch it on uh, on TSN. Uh, we're now going to be joined by David Alter, uh, publisher and reporter for Inside the Maple Leafs for SI Media Group, Leafs reporter. Dave, what's going on, pal? Oh, not much. You know, just uh, chilling and uh, grinding every day. How about you guys? Yeah, I guess you could say the same. I mean, I, I got a question for you, though, before we get into last night. Is is David Alter the new big man on campus with Masters off the beat? I heard you kicking <laughs> off some of those post-grain scrums li- uh, last night. Yeah, it's, uh, it's totally out of my element. There's no equivalent to Mark Masters, <laughs> let's put it that way. There is just well, no, there is no equivalent to, to the myth. I've known me and Mark go back. I don't know, 10, 12 years now. There's just no equivalent to that guy. The interesting is, though, like, Masters is first class, right? Like, he's got the first class travel, all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm seeing you're taking the red eye home from St. Louis. You're grinding away. Like, no one... I don't want to say no one grinds the way you do on the Leafs beat because there's a lot of hard workers on that beat, but, man, you travel. You put in a ton of hours covering this team. Yeah, and you know what? So if Mark Masters is the first-class travel guy, I'm the occasional upgrade and standby guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so while Masters has been gone, it's freed up the seat, I guess. Nice. I think, uh, 
last time we spoke to you, uh, and this will be the last one before we get into Maple Leafs talk, but last time we spoke to you, we were chatting about karaoke music, and you, know, you said that uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is your go-to karaoke yeah. song. I'm curious if you gotten out to any karaoke bars on uh, on this last road trip or at all during the holidays? No, I, uh, you know, what's really unfortunate too, is I was really looking forward to just kind of relaxing and unwinding in those uh, three days that we had off. And I did get to do that, but not where I wanted to be. Like I was going to go up North for a bit and just kind of unplug and disconnect. And then the weather kind of had, you know, a different effect. So I just kind of stayed home and really didn't do much like for those three days, which kind of sucked. But um, yeah, even on the road, then it was really stressful just because as you know, a lot of reporters and broadcasters had issues actually getting to St. Louis. And as a result, they couldn't get to Phoenix either. And, um, you know, just getting through that, I was just so happy to get through that, that when I, when I finally got to my hotel rooms, I just kind of hunkered down, went out for dinner but didn't do anything crazy, just relaxed and tried to, to refresh. It felt like I had no break with the, the craziness of the travel, like right after. So it's actually been nice that they're going to be home here for, for much of the month to kind of just get settled and get into a groove here. You can give yourself a little bit of a break, too, by not singing Bohemian Rhapsody as your karaoke <laughs> song. That is that is the longest song with the most like fluctuating pitches and tones that's quite the undertaking, and like for Austin Matthews, he's had quite the undertaking as well. He hits 500 points. He's the fastest Leaf player to ever do it. Scored a great goal last night. It's like a classic Austin Matthews goal where Puck's not necessarily in his wheelhouse, but because his shot, his release is so good, he still finds a way to put it in the net. Like When you're watching this guy play this year, and especially right now, does it just look like he's ready to break out in a big way early in 2023? You know, you you think so, Frankie. And by the way, that was a heck of a transition, so I didn't want to not acknowledge that. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it's been something. Like, I've watched these first months, first couple months, and everyone just is kind of waiting for it. And it, it didn't really happen to the Austin Matthews standard, right? He was getting assists. He was getting some points, but he wasn't racking up the goals like he was last year and then then even in a a couple of games on the trip it kind of looked like he was there but he wasn't his dominant self he wasn't necessarily carrying the play I mean it was a bit chaotic that that road trip that that we just completed but in this game back he really looked like he was the man on the ice there in terms of pushing the play forward going back and forth on the ice the whole 200 foot game um yeah, I think this could be the beginning. And I think now he seems a bit more relaxed. Even when talking about these point plateaus and the things that he's getting, he's actually embracing it a little bit. And I think that that kind of speaks to the fact that it has been a different season for him that really hasn't put the focus on himself like it was previously, where it was more about the team. And so now he's he's um He's actually appreciating these individual accomplishments that are also team accomplishments, which he also acknowledges. But I think he's embracing this a little bit more. And when he's doing that, he can have some fun again. And if he's having fun, I think that's going to be the turn for him that he needs to kind of put points on the board and be the dominant Austin Matthews. He's had a good season, but by his standards, he hasn't been the same dominant goal scorer that he's been in in the years leading up to this one 
Well, I just think that entire line as a whole, him, Nylander, and Michael Bunting, have really been on a roll, each and every one of them, uh, over a point per game in their last you know, 20 or so games. And Michael Bunting picked up the primary assist on what was the 500th point for uh, for Austin Matthews. He had three points last night. And there was a report that Pierre Lebrun said that the Leafs have been in touch with Bunting's camp this week. We were talking about it in the previous segment a little bit. Uh, I'm curious to think what you think those conversations might look like and, you know, why you think now is is the time that the Maple Leafs are, are trying to engage in extension talks. Yeah, I mean, the reason why they would be interested in now is just because Bunting is, is starting to fire on all cylinders to the point where the longer they wait and he continues to produce, the more expensive a proposition it could become to lock him down. And the issue they had in the beginning of the year when talks were kind of heating up and there were whispers of, uh, I remember Pierre Lebrun kind of throwing it out there that like an eight-year deal was something he thought about wasn't necessarily being discussed. But uh, at that point, you know, it made sense from an AAV standpoint. But a lot of the things complicating uh, the situation for the Maple Leafs in terms of finding what's a good deal for him is we just don't know what the cap number is going to be next year. Like it could be 83 and a half million, but it could be 88. Like it could go up or maybe 87, whatever, four and a half million plus 82 and a half is 87. So it could be anywhere in that range, depending on if the players get that, that uh, debt paid off this year with league revenues. And it's, by all reports, it's going to be close. And so if you don't know that and you have so many pending UFAs and you know you want Michael Bunting on, on, on the team, you kind of have to figure out, okay, we, we have to kind of start figuring out what's a good number that, that we can control over a certain amount of years before this starts to get really expensive when we run into a situation, and by we, I'm talking about the Leafs, where like a Zach Hyman was a similar spot where it got too expensive, they couldn't lock him down, and, and they didn't have the cap space for him, and I don't think they want to go through that again. I think they they see how well that first line fits, having a, a, a set winger on the first line, and then there's still some instability on that second line, even though they like Callie Yarncroke in that spot right now, that I don't think you want to go into next year not knowing what your top six looks like. And I think that's why the Leafs kind of want to figure out something with bunting here. David, it wasn't exactly a memorable night for Ilya Samsonov. And, and when you look back at his last few starts, where it really starts to tail off, for me anyways, is the one right before Christmas break against Philly in the third period. He lets in the squeaker between the legs. And, you know, he talks a little bit about after the game how he needs to find it. And, you know, he's going to vow to not let that happen something along those lines like what's the feeling like around Ilya Samsonov now that it's been you know four games and it hasn't necessarily been to the standard that he had established um, early on in the season yeah I've, I've got the sense that it is bothering him a little bit that he's been on this slide um, just kind of you know he's still affable he's still friendly He's still all the things that everyone has come to to like from Ilya Samsonov, but you know he he's very honest as well. And so he's talking about the fact that you know he he may need some sort of something different to just kind of turn his luck and then not let the luck necessarily creep into his psyche. I know today he's going to go to the Raptors game. Like I think it's his first Raptors game ever with his wife and SDA and and SDA's girlfriend just to kind of you know, what he said was to just, you know, change things up a bit, do something different for 
for from a mental standpoint to kind of see if that will change things for him. And so these are the kind of things you do, especially if you're a goalie and um, you're kind of in one that you just kind of change something, whether it's a superstition or, or a routine change or, or something to kind of get things going. And yeah, it's, it's a little bit concerning that this is the fourth game in a row now that he's at a save percentage below 900. And uh, I thought there were times in the game, especially late where he did look really good and helped keep the team in the game, uh, especially late in that third period and, and early into overtime uh, that really could have gone either way, and he made some big saves there. But I get the sense that he just needs something to go right to kind of take a little bit of the pressure off. And and he knows what this market is. But to him, he holds himself to account. You know, he still spoke after the game, and he's very honest about about what's going on. And um, I think he just needs one game where he he can get some sort of luck to go his way, where he feels that things are turning in his favor as opposed to just everything kind of compounding. It's, it's difficult with goalies, but you can definitely tell it's bothering him just a little bit. Well, I think you touched on something there where, you know, the third period, he kind of locked it down and then had a couple of really big stops in overtime as well. I mean, if you're Sheldon Keefe and you see kind of he started to pick it up a little later, would you be thinking about maybe getting him another start sooner rather than later and try and build off of that third period in overtime? Or is this just a tandem platoon situation he's going to have to play himself out of only getting maybe one max two starts a week. Yeah, no, I think he's still like, I think it's still a pretty even split platoon right now. If you look back at the stretch of games here, for the most part, they've split them pretty evenly. Occasionally Murray's gotten one more, but I mean, not like it just, there are back-to-back starts that a goalie makes, but then they go back with the other goalie and they flip them 50, 50. So, I'm not sure. I was getting the, I was starting to get the feel as practice ended that maybe they might go back with Samsonov again just to kind of make him feel better and not let this feeling kind of loom. But Sheldon didn't want to offer that intel today, so we'll have to find out in the morning skate. Um, but um, he did emphasize the fact that he felt that a lot of the problem wasn't necessarily Samsonov, that it was the defense and how it played in front and the, and the chaos around special teams, and so. Um, some of that execution needs to be cleaned up, and Ilya Samsonov had just happened to be on the wrong side of everything. I think last night he even said that just that first goal, he would have liked to kind of have a save there uh, from Samsonov. But outside of that, he was he he felt that Samsonov's performance was more of a symptom of how chaotic the defense was in front of him, and a lot of players even kind of agreed that second period. It, I, I kind of jokingly referred to the Toronto Maple Leafs game in 2023, like the Toronto Maple Leafs game in 2021. Like it, it seemed like there was just a lot of, you know, push back response, response, but then run and gun, and then it kind of got a little bit disorganized. So, uh, not sure what they're going to do in terms of the goaltending, but they are going to continue, I think, doing an even split here with these three games coming up. I wouldn't surprise me if Sam Solanov comes back on. He was. He didn't do any extra work afterwards. It looked like Murray was doing a little bit of extra work afterwards, but we'll know for sure at, at the morning skate. And um, But I, I think that they haven't necessarily lost any confidence in Samsonov. I think they just they want him to get in the smile more, which he has always been talking about. And so I think that's really the emphasis on him right now. I know it's hard to get answers on on certain things. Teams tend to keep, um, you know, keep things tight to their chest. But with Connor Timmons being out of the lineup, 
I just wonder how much of a priority it's going to be to get him back in the lineup because he played really well. He's he's he kind of he did all he can do, and he doesn't necessarily deserve to be out of the lineup. But it is a numbers game now. Like when you're watching practice, when you're around the team, do you get any sense that it's going to be a priority to make sure he gets back in? And at what expense? Like who who comes out of the lineup? How does that shake out? And and how delicate is that? Yeah, so Sheldon said today that uh, the six right now is probably what would have been the optimal look if everyone was healthy. Of course, Jake Muzzin not a factor in that. So I think he was going to kind of stick with that for the time being. However, he also did say that there was a good chance that Timmons would come in for the back-to-back coming up. Um, so, so I think you're going to see him in there in that regard. Um, but outside of that, I think they kind of owe it to this group of six to kind of see how they play together over a stretch because it was kind of hard to evaluate based on last night and the fact that guys are just sprinkling in and coming in that this defensive group has only seen change uh, because of injuries that now that everyone's kind of healthy, I think they do want to give a bit of a stretch run with this quote-unquote optimal look of six guys. So I think you're going to see this, with the exception of Timmons coming in for the back-to-back, and then they do have that stretch of games where they might sprinkle in Timmons in there as well. But it's going to be a completely on the six guys. If the Sandine Lilligran or the Giordano Hall or the Riley Brody pair starts to show cracks and it's happening for stretches, they're going to make that adjustment, particularly on the back end and someone – that they actually have come to like in Timmins. But they, they have identified things they want to improve in Timmins' game. I think being here at home a lot with the development staff here is going to help in terms of correcting that. And in that interim, you're just going to see these six guys kind of be the guys unless you have more of what you saw last night. Really appreciate taking the time as always, Dave. And uh, we'll catch up again real soon. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, guys. All right, there he goes. David Alter, publisher and reporter of Inside the Maple Leafs for SI Media Group. I can't wait to see uh, free Connor float across yeah. your Twitter page. Well, we'll see. It depends how long <laughs> they uh, they keep him out of the lineup. I won't be barking up that tree, but you never know. The Leaf fans, <laughs> they know what's right. The Leaf fans, they know what's right, and they'll... Uh, They'll make their voice heard. I'm excited to see David on Saturday. We'll be back in the building. Maybe he can help us out with the the peace treaty between you and the Tap Man. If you make it, if you make it till Saturday, because you know you never know if he put a hit out for you or not. <laughs> well, let's hope not. I, I would like to make it past Saturday. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Also, I got the answer to our Jacob Verana cap question. I'll tell you that on okay. the other side, and we'll also do uh, our one final word association. Wednesday on the other side as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Frank Carotti. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. I'm Mike DiStefano. I've got Frank Corrado with me. And uh, you like this tune here, Frankie. I do. It's one of my favorites. Big country music guy, Al's brother. But you had not heard this song prior to this. What made you want to bump in with this? I've heard 
snippets of this tune because this happens to be the goal song of one Tage Thompson. Because oh. they do the individual goal songs out in Buffalo. Yes, they do. They're, yes, so this is the one that Tage Thompson has chosen as his goal song, and we heard that a few times last night. And we are continuing with our Word Association Wednesday After Dark, and it's a pretty simple uh, thing to associate. The phrase, the word, it's a name. It's Tage Thompson. Yes. Do you want my word, Al's brother? That's how this game works. Typically, yes. Here- here we go, Al's brother. My word association for the Tage Thompson is powerhouse. This guy is a powerhouse. He is a massive human being. He is a monster on the ice, and all he does is score goals and put up monster performances. This guy is the real deal, Al's brother, and he is your guy. I, he's my guy. I do love me some uh, some Tage Thompson. The word that I'm going to use, it's going a little off the board here. Um, spiritual, I think is... is spiritual? Uh, is, so listen to this. Okay, so uh, yesterday Tage Thompson scored his 30th goal of the season, which was his third goal of the game, exactly three minutes into overtime for his third hat trick of the season on January 3rd the day after the DeMar Hamlin situation in Buffalo, oh. who wears number three. And, and wow. it just, so when you think about, I'm goosebumps just thinking about the yeah. spirituality of, like, the meaning of, of that goal. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, just spiritual is the first word, yeah. kind of, you know, it's magical, maybe is another word you could use to, to describe it. And that whole situation, yeah. and, and apparently a report um, came out today, an update that that he is improving. Demar Hamlet is improving, which is um, really really good to hear after that scary situation a couple yeah. of days ago. Um, but yeah, kind of linking that with Tage Thompson, uh, you know, a fellow Buffalo athlete, and and just you know the amount of things. Like the the number three is really prominent yeah, the amount, there in those statistics. The, the number of connections there between that is is really cool. And listen, we're all you know we're sports fans, and and we can appreciate the that there's there's things that are larger than sports. And for Demar Hamlin, we're we're happy to hear that he's making some progress. And um, you know we we hope we we hear even more good news as the week and the weeks go on. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely, we do. So, prayers still going out to uh, to Demar Hamlin and and his family and friends. Um, but things are improving according to the latest reports. Yeah. So, uh, that's Al's a good brother. Thing, but question for you quickly before we finish the show. Good show Go today, by the way. I want to know well. how are you feeling about hearing your voice in the blueprint? Oh yeah! Did you hear that? That was you are the narr- You are Al's brother's <laughs> narrator. You are the equivalent of the twenty four seven HBO narrator for the Maple Leafs. I'm like Morgan Freeman narrating things. Yes, at this point. Al's um, brother Morgan Freeman. Sh- surprised, shocked, like for doing word associated. I didn't know that was coming. I just popped it on. Oh look, the blueprint came out, and all of a sudden, oh, that's me talking about Morgan Riley and injuries and the Maple Leafs. I'm going to have to ask. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to ask Stevie Keogh or, or Scotty McNaughton when I see him on Saturday how they decided to pick your voice well, for that. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. They could have fonted it, been like, oh, uh, Al's brother, Leafs voice of TSN Al's brother. Could you imagine? They said voice <laughs> of Al's brother. They should have. 
I, you know, they, they should oh, have done man. that, I think. Oh, maybe if you do speak yeah, to chicken TV. wings on a charcuterie board <laughs> and the voice of the blueprint, Al's brother. That's right. That's right. Yeah, That's buddy. Right. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe I can make an appearance in, in number two. Uh, all yeah. right, pal. Thanks for having uh, Thanks for joining me today. Are you on the rest of the yeah, week? Yeah, thanks for you, having me. You're on nope, OD? No, back on Overdrive uh, tomorrow and Friday. Beauty. Well, I'll be tuned in. Uh, that does it for us here today. If you missed any of the show, you can find it on tsn1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mike DiCepano for Frank Corrado. You've listened to Leafs Lunch Gameplay with Matt Cause next.